Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled A Pandemic in Bible Prophecy, Part 4. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church, to find greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. We are continuing our pursuit to remove plosives, those popping or pounding sounds, from our audio. We believe we have now found settings and new methodology for fully removing them. We hope you enjoy our new sound. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage, unchurched.site123.me. Last week, April 25th, we studied Part 3 of our look into a pandemic and Bible prophecy in Chapter 8 of Exodus. If there is any strength to the implication of the second plague coming on top of the first, the Egyptians have some real sore issues. Even if these plagues are consecutive, this is not much better by anyone's means of definition. We also found that plague, epidemic, and pandemic all mean the same thing, regardless of what word you use. Their time, in the past, and our time, in the present, are all that is different. Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible, public domain, said, God, when he pleases, can arm the smallest parts of the creation against us. God's curse upon a man will pursue him wherever he goes and lie heavy upon him whatever he does. We first need to ask the question, how small is a gnat? The Smithsonian Institution describes them as non-biting flies, no bigger than a few grains of salt, attracted to fluids secreted by your eyes. From wikipedia.org If they swarm, and they usually do, one can usually see the swarm with greatly less difficulty than trying to see one gnat. This week, this is the third plague we will look at. We have learned two things here. One, how small the gnat is, and two, they were, in Egypt, a sore pestilence, without any doubt. This, thanks to their impressive numbers. Scripture reads, 
the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Extend your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and it will become gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. They did so. Aaron extended his hand with his staff. He struck the dust of the ground, and it became gnats on people and animals. All the dust of the ground became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. When the magicians attempted to bring forth gnats by their secret arts, they could not. So there were gnats on people and on animals. The magicians said to Pharaoh, It is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had predicted. From Exodus chapter 8, verses 16 through 19. Notice, there is nothing that speaks of any pause between these plagues like we see in the book of Revelation. There, in the book of Revelation, we see six issues, a definitive pause, and then a seventh. There seems to be a small amount of downtime before the next series of six, a pause, and then a seventh again. No pause is indicated yet here in Exodus. It could be assumed by modern people of New Testament times that, like in the book of Revelation, there is. Yet, we have yet to see such a pause documented here in the book of Exodus. This does not mean it is not here, but we have yet to see any pause recorded. So, pastors and teachers say there is a pause between the second and third occurrences here in Exodus. However, as you can see in your Bible, it simply has not happened yet given what is written here in Exodus. Commentary gives us some helpful information. It reads, This plague was caused by the fact that Aaron smote the dust of the ground with his staff, and all the dust throughout the land of Egypt turned into gnats, which were upon man and beast. Reference, Exodus chapter 8, verse 17. Just as the fertilizing water of Egypt had twice become a plague, so through the power of Jehovah, the soil so richly blessed became a plague to the king and his people. From Kyle and Delich, Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament. In this particular instance, we should also note this fact from the aforementioned commentary writers. A species of gnats so small as to be hardly visible to the eye, but with a sting which according to Philo and Oregon, causes a most painful irritation of the skin. They even creep into the eyes and nose, and after the harvest they rise in great swarms from the inundated rice fields. That helps us understand better just what kind of plague this was. It also tells us how different from modern gnats these gnats here in Exodus were. Remember, how much more subtle Wikipedia described the gnats? Given what Exodus is telling us, and the landscape of that territory involved, we are most likely talking 
in modern terms, of the sand gnat. This gnat is very small to the eye. It bites and has a mosquito type of look to it. This is why I stress research. Had I not done simple investigation, if I did not know the truth, I would have simply continued with a type of gnat that does not bite, which is not what Kyle and Delich Bible Commentary said. Commentary told us they cause a most painful irritation of the skin. They even creep into the eyes and nose, and after the harvest they rise in great swarms from the inundated rice fields. We can believe with reasonable certainty that we are talking about the sand gnat given what commentary says, the location, and the fact there only seems to be four types of gnats too, of which do not bite. With respect to time and place, today's understanding, which we today own, may be different than the times in Exodus. That is the reasoning behind doing research beyond the Bible, to understand what is in the Bible. I cannot stress this issue enough, folks. It is all too simple to take what Scripture says and come up with the wrong understanding and even application from what we read and take away with only our own limited understanding. Commentary further reads, All the plagues inflicted on the Egyptians had reference to their national crimes or were rendered particularly severe by their customs. The magicians attempted to imitate it, but they could not. It forced them to confess, This is the finger of God. The check and restraint put upon us must be from a divine power. Sooner or later, God will force even his enemies to acknowledge his own power. Pharaoh, notwithstanding this, was more and more obstinate. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. We need to take special notice of the very first sentence in this commentary passage. It read, All the plagues inflicted on the Egyptians had reference to their national crimes, or were rendered particularly severe by their customs. We can therefore understand that two issues were being addressed by God in the same occurrence of the plagues, national crimes and their customs. Customs meaning certain rituals of religious nature or rituals based in secular issues causing events to happen. Now, let us be sure what is meant by the word customs. It means a traditional practice or usual way of doing something followed by a social group or people. The tradition or body of such practices, the respect that is by custom accorded to the king, a habitual practice of a person, habitual manner or practice, 
law a common tradition or usage so long established that it has the force or validity of law. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. First, and glaringly so, the legal definition is a common tradition or usage due to it being a long-established routine and frequent use that it has the force or validity of law. So, while not the law, by common tradition or common usage, it has the appearance and almost total force of law. This is in part the practice that Scripture here in Exodus is addressing. This speaks to much of what the church body is guilty of today. Not all church bodies, but many. Assuming God's law, God's word, that the Bible says something it does not. What church bodies and authoritative leadership enforces when it does not exist in the Bible? This is what leads to, quote, common tradition or usage that has the force or validity of law, end quote. Meaning, in this case, God's law. That being a traditional practice or usual way of doing something followed by a social group or people. That social group of people are God's people who attend a church that enforces non-existent portions of God's law. Yes, it sounds right, but it is wrong without exception. This is one of the things that has led the Egyptians to this plague. That's the takeaway from these events so far. Each plague is addressing an issue or more than one issue. With that insight, what is our present-day pandemic, plague in our Bibles, addressing given it is global? Is it one issue? Or is it more than one issue? The answer to those questions may depend on where one lives. Meaning, in one country, there is only one thing contrary to God, while in another country, it is more than one. So, while one pandemic, it may be addressing an issue or issues, given what is happening where you live. By example, look at Central America, hit by two hurricanes, one right after another, and now a pandemic. What is God dealing with in Central America? The long-existent drug problems of illicit illegal drugs? The answer to that question just might be yes. Just look at the large numbers of fleeing individuals to Southwest America. That should tell you something with a respect to the issue at hand. Notice what commentary also says. The magicians did so with their enchantments, i.e. smote the dust with rods, to bring forth gnats 
but could not. The cause of this inability is hardly to be sought for, as Noble supposes, in the fact that, quote, the thing to be done in this instance was to call creatures into existence, and not merely to call forth and change creatures and things in existence already, as in the case of the staff, the water, and the frogs. End quote. For after this, they could neither call out the dog flies nor protect their own bodies from the boils, to say nothing of the fact that as gnats proceed from the eggs laid in the dust or earth by the previous generation, their production is not to be regarded as a direct act of creation any more than that of the frogs. The miracle in both plagues was just the same, and consisted not in a direct creation, but simply in a sudden creative generation and supernatural multiplication, not of the gnats only, but also of the frogs, in accordance with a previous prediction. The reason why the arts of the Egyptians' magicians were put to shame in this case, we have to seek in the omnipotence of God, restraining the demonical powers which the magician had made subservient to their purposes before, in order that their inability to bring out these, the smallest of all creatures, which seemed to arise as it were, from the dust itself, might display in the sight of everyone the impotence of their secret arts by the side of the almighty creative power of the true God. This omnipotence the magicians were compelled to admit, they were compelled to knowledge. Quote, this is the finger of God, end quote. But they did not make this acknowledgment for the purpose of giving glory to God himself, but simply to protect their own honor, that Moses and Aaron might not be thought to be superior to them in virtue or knowledge. It was equivalent to saying, It is not by Moses and Aaron that we are restrained, but by a divine power, which is greater than either. From Bocart. The word Elohim is decisive in support of this view. If they had meant to refer to the God of Israel, they would have used the name Jehovah. The quote, finger of God end quote, denotes creative omnipotence. Consequently, this miracle also made no impression upon Pharaoh. From Kyle and Delich Bible Commentary on the Old Testament, Public Domain. The end of this commentary passage, in simple modern terms, is The Nile and other waters were turned to blood. Frogs came from everywhere, and now gnats rise right up out of the sand and plague all people with physical sores as well as other disturbing issues.
What is there for Pharaoh not to get? Yet, like many people today, Pharaoh just doesn't get it. We should also note, if you have not already, quote, the finger of God, end quote. Commentary told us, the finger of God denotes creative omnipotence. So, if there were any doubt until now, it is obvious that these plagues are of God upon sinful mankind. Not just the people of Egypt, but also the leaders of Egypt. We can see clearly that all were affected by these three plagues thus far. There are yet seven more to come. With any possible comparison to the days we live in today, are we in a plague of coronavirus or COVID-19? The answer to that question is undeniably yes. Remember that plague, epidemic, and pandemic all mean the same thing regardless of what word you use. We looked at word meanings to see all three words describe the same event. So, in biblical days, such a thing was called a plague, while today we call such an event a pandemic. Next week, we will look at the next plague, flies. Now we go from bad to worse. This is getting worse still for the Egyptians. In our pandemic situation, is this only the beginning of more things to come? Play or download next week's episode, A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 5, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God, as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. 
If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites, so you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.